During the past year, we've seen natural disasters, political and social unrest all across the globe. And the list certainly goes on, but one of these things wears the crown of disaster, and that is none other than COVID-19. The pandemic swept across the world and has destroyed microcosms, large communities, and families. To date, there have been over 485,000 deaths due to complications of COVID-19. Until recently, it didn't seem like there would be much of an end to any of this havoc. However, even if COVID decides to stick around like much of the other illnesses out there, we may just have a way to fight it. I'm your host, MC2 Levingson Lewis. Welcome back to Tears Adrift. COVID has disrupted and changed a lot of our lives, even down to the smallest detail of shaking hands and greeting people or standing six feet away from someone. I know a lot of you have had questions about vaccines, and I did too, so I'm going to do my best to clear up the misconceptions and inform all of you listeners in just how this vaccine works and what it means for the future of the fleet. So let's dive right in with some myths and facts. This vaccine can't possibly be safe because it was rushed. As a uh, lead investigator here at Walter Reed for the AstraZeneca study, um, I can attest that the vaccines have not been rushed. This is Commander Wes Campbell, the head of infectious diseases at Walter Reed National Medical Center. These vaccines have gone through many of the same milestones that any vaccine does in terms of like animal models, animal testing. And in the case of AstraZeneca, the same platform has been used uh, and evaluated uh, for like malaria, HIV vaccine, um, MERS of the Middle Eastern Respiratory uh, uh, syndrome virus uh, vaccine as well as SARS. Uh, so it's got a, a wealth of uh, safety data as well as like they use it in Ebola uh, evaluation. So as far as its performance in humans, um, you know, it's got, uh, you know, it's not being rushed. Commander Rachel Lee, head of immunology at Walter Reed said, um, so normally vaccines take 10 to 15 years to make because we do, you know, one phase of the study and if everything goes well, then we move on to the next phase and so forth. However, with this, with COVID-19, you know, there's been a big push and under Operation Warp Speed, there's been a lot of funding and support by many organizations um, to really bring all the, the studies and the phases quickly in line and kind of at the same time so we can actually bring these newer vaccines into market. So in short, all the aggregate data from previous vaccines also carries into the COVID-19 vaccine because it functions similarly to the others, but more on this later. During this pandemic, a lot of people have been terrified of the virus and anything related to it. It has increased suspicion and sowed a lot of conspiracy theories. When I saw this particular theory surfacing and becoming more popular on the internet, I felt like I had to ask if there is a tracking chip in the vaccine. I will say that's a myth, and I mean, there are no chips or markers in the vaccines or in any vaccines. Because... I think there's a lot of challenges. <laughs> uh, you know, your body doesn't tolerate uh, non-organic material anyway, so <laughs> not part of the, uh, the vaccine. Also, who knows what's even in the vaccine? I'm not putting that in my body. Commander Lee said... Yeah, so again, there are many vaccines that are being studied right now, and the two current ones that are approved for use um, are both mRNA vaccines. So every vaccine and medication in the, um, that's approved or authorized for use have to have all the ingredients listed. So we do know what's in every vaccine, whether it's the active component and all the other, what we call excipients or other constituents that kind of keep it you know, stable and so forth. 
Now, admittedly, I knew nothing about vaccines and how they worked in the body. I only knew that they helped me not to get sick, so I was eager to find out how exactly this particular vaccine functioned. Let's take a deeper dive into how this vaccine actually works. Yeah, so mRNA vaccines have been studied for decades, actually, although these two are the first two to be used commercially and having an emergency use authorization. Um, so what it does is, you know, the vaccines, they're, they put the messenger, what we call messenger RNA. So it's a little, it's like a message, like an order that we get, um, and that sends a message to the cells once it's injected into our arms or whatever part of the body. Um, it's it's taken up by a, a special cell, immune cell, that actually expresses that protein. So there's a what we call a spike protein, which is what we think is one of the important parts of the coronavirus um, that causes disease. So this message actually tells that cell to make these little spikes on, it, on its surface. And our immune system sees those and thinks oh, that's the enemy, right? So we mount an immune response, so antibodies and other immune um, responses to those spike proteins and therefore it protects you from future exposure to the coronavirus. Commander Campbell added, That's all part of the normal process for your immune system. Uh, when, it, when it swallows a virus and it chops it up and then it, it takes some of those proteins and puts it on the surface of the cell, it's called antigen presenting and it allows your immune system to make the antibodies to develop cellular level responses to recognize self versus not self. Um, so it's a very, um, very important process. And I, I would like to emphasize that um, the mRNA vaccines don't have all the components to make fully assemble a, a virus. So this is interesting, right? The vaccine actually makes a shell of a virus with missing components so that it can't possibly recreate one. It's a defense mechanism that sort of tricks your body into fighting anything that may look like this spiky protein. To further explain... Um, the other ones coming through the pipeline have like basically the shell of a, a virus uh, with some of the genetic material, but it's missing pieces so it doesn't replicate. So it's kind of, uh, it's not considered dead or alive. It's kind of, you're getting a, like a protein, like almost the full package. It's allowing your body to see like a load of virus protein and make a response to it. Now, I'm sure you're wondering how long this vaccine immunity and process lasts because as many sailors are aware, we have to get flu vaccines once a year and many other shots. However, for things like tetanus, it's only every 10 years. It's the million dollar question. And because all the current vaccines have been only studied for the past six months or so, so you know, the vaccine, the clinical trial started in July, about July of 2020. At this time, we only have data up till, you know, January right now, January 2021. However, we do think that based on previous studies with similar models and similar vaccine platforms, that it probably will last long, you know, much longer. It's just, again, we don't really have the data to say exactly one year or five years. To add to this, Commander Campbell said, And I think what people uh, who are getting these vaccines need to remember, the studies are still ongoing. Even the ones that were approved for emergency use, those are set up for two years of follow-up. So if you're a participant in that study, they're still drawing blood every you know, 30 to 60 days to 90 days, depending on the study design, uh, and looking for those markers for immunity. And they're also checking you to say, like, have you had illness? Um, checking for antibodies that show natural infection in the background of having gotten the vaccine. Um, so I think it's important to note that these studies are still ongoing. They're still going for the full evaluation to support their full FDA approval in the end, and also to establish are the labs that we're checking for immunity, antibodies, or cellular response, 
uh, to a virus the same as a, somebody who got the infection naturally um, and how long that lasts. And that's part of the study designs. And that, that information will be part of the final approvals for, for these vaccines. So what does this mean for sailors? What does it mean for the future of the Navy, our shipmates, and our families? So I think all of us have felt the effects of COVID over this past year, um, not only just on operationally and our day-to-day -day work and lives, but you know all the restrictions that come with it. So you know, all the, we can't hang out with our friends, we can't visit our families, we can't travel anymore, we can't go to restaurants. Um, I was working at MCRD actually for helping out there a little bit too. And just, you know, all the training that we get in all our normal day-to-day -day lives are really, you know, impacted by this. And, you know, when we think about even our families and, you know, not only the health part of it, you know, COVID obviously has significant health implications, but even the emotional toll that's happening, you know, for a lot of people, a lot of lonely people out there, you know, kind of isolated, um, a lot of children who are working at home and parents now having to homeschool their kids or doing virtual schools. So I think this, um, pandemic has really impacted everybody in all sorts of ways. Um, but I think the vaccine really is a part of the solution for helping to bring things back to normal. So I would really encourage everybody to consider that not just for our warfighting mission, but also for just our communities and all of our lives, really. Commander Campbell said, you know, you don't want to have to be worrying about this, right? It, it doesn't matter if it's COVID, flu, or diarrhea. These, Those are the things that like kind of Make, making mission degraded pretty quickly. And, um, you know, we still have a job to do uh, all around the world 24 seven um, to, to protect our interests uh, here back at home. So um, you can take this off the plate of, of active planning component and it's just another marker of readiness of a unit. I think that's huge for our line community to be able to get back to doing what it's doing. I know all of this is super scary. As I mentioned earlier, people have lost family members because of COVID-19. And it's become common practice for everyone to wear a mask. We don't go out in public much, if at all anymore, etc. So 2020 presented everyone with various issues that makes us as a whole more skeptical about anything and everything. However, Dr. Campbell says we don't need to be scared about the vaccine. And here's why. Don't, don't be scared. I, I'm in charge of a study here at Walter Reed and the, the rigor that, that they're making us go through for safety. Safety is the most important thing. Um, and the rigor for data collection, um, it's, it can't be underemphasized. Like uh, they're doing everything um, to keep us informed. We have phone calls with Dr. Fauci. Uh, if, they, if something happens in the UK, they, they set up calls and, and talk to us about what's going on in their studies because it's the same vaccine. It's just that these vaccines have to be studied here for final approval here in the United States. So to see and Timmy or anyone else on the fence about getting the vaccine, I hope this helped you tip your scales in the right direction. If a large enough majority get the vaccine, the population will effectively be safer. Families and shipmates will be safer, and maybe, just maybe, we can get back to normal. That's it for this episode of Ears Adrift. Keep an ear out for us and stay posted for new episodes each month. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast outlets, our Facebook page, or our website at www.ah.mil. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm your host, MC2 Levingston Lewis. Lewis.